Hello and welcome to Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. I'm Mandy. And we're back. We did New York. We did New York. Uh, it's weird to be uh, talking on a podcast about the nanny and not a podcast about Loop on the Third because that's what I've been doing. <laughs> Done a lot of that over the last... Uh... Yeah, it's been a lot of like just deep diving. I mean, I've continued to watch. I've continued to be part of it. That's why I was in it. But I've been somewhat separate from the fandom, I yeah. would say. And I was like, no, this was deep dive back into that bin. You are there. Yes. And you were Fujiko Mine. Yeah, I was. Yeah. How do you feel about having... Because that was very much your experience. We went to New York, but I feel like that was very much for you. Yeah, so I, didn't, I didn't do much uh, New York things. You you probably had more of a nanny... You had a more nanny time. <laughs> yeah, I, um, uh, I did get broken up with uh, by my boyfriend who runs a uh, bridal store. And so mm-hmm. I went to Manhattan and tried to sell... Some uh, racially insensitive makeups to an Englishman. <laughs> racially insensitive mlem. Yeah. Never um, forget that Nanny Fine was briefly in a mlem. Yeah, but it worked out for her in the end, which does not happen with a lot of people who get yeah. roped into mlems. But yeah, Anime NYC, do you want to talk about that some more? Like, how was that as an as an, as an experience getting to not just be the character, because like, you cosplay as that yeah, character. Yeah, I cosplay as her, but... but it is definitely like a different experience of like cosplaying her versus like, oh, I am the official her. You have. I have been declared the her. By two separate companies, two I Two different as well. companies, one of which was uh, egged on heavily by the other. Um... <laughs> But uh, generally seemed to like me and agree. I was like, okay, I know, I know why uh, they egged us on to do this. <laughs> uh, egging is probably long, the wrong word. That that implies that it was like a dare of some we kind. We dare you to hire Mandy to be Fujikomi. <laughs> we dare hire this dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was really great. It was great seeing like all of the the fan support and like. More more loop on the third cosplayers than I've ever seen. Some in my great loop on the third life. There was that one cosplayer who like a lot of people go with like colored suit jackets, but there was one cosplayer in particular who had like this red like le- like almost like a not really burgundy but like a deep red leather jacket. Oh, I believe it was a green actually. Oh, it was green. Oh, it was yeah. green. Yes, it was a green uh, a green jacket, oh, but it was so like a, a deep green leather. And I like people who kind of play with the texture. Yeah. Of it and don't just go for like. The bright cartoony neon like almost kind of a costumey thing it was definitely good i also emceed one of the screenings that they yes. did there which is probably the first sold out loop on the third event or screening that or place thing was packed in years like yeah. it was packed they had to shut the line off it was kind of unfortunate because they had a q a with the cast right before it and people who were in uh that q a we're not able to then go to the screening. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. That's not their fault, though. I, I heard there was like a last minute, like, Yeah, there change. was a last minute, like, I believe it was like either going to be in the same room or at least it was going to be in a bigger room. And they put in a smaller room because they're like, oh, well, Loop on the Third, like, there are dedicated fans, but it's not like a huge thing because it's an it's an older series they're making new stuff for it but it's it, like an older audience so we don't need it we don't need to have a, a big room and even uh tms the studio who was that was putting it on they were giving out like these like really cool masks a lot of people were very excited like i was getting requests from people of like hey while you're there can if you get any extras of those can i get one no 
Benjamin did not even get one. I did not get one. Which I probably could have asked before, but that was around the time that they realized, oh, hey, we got zero. We do not have enough of these. Because they got, like, enough for the room. Yeah. Not expecting, like, how overfilled that that place was. There were people sitting on the, like, edges of the room to watch that thing. Yeah, like, you were initially saving a seat for me because I was obviously emceeing. And then there was a screening. Mm -hmm. And we all had to sit for 45 minutes. And I was wearing some big old high heels. And then I have to get up again. Then I realized, oh, no, this place is going to fill entirely. So I was one of those people on the floor. I probably should not have been there. No, I mean, like, you also are a, a fan of yeah. uh, this, and you watched it, and it wasn't like you were just sitting on your phone not, well, not watching it. No, I was, I was paying attention. Yeah. You it was got, a prison or something, You right? got a chance to, uh, <laughs> and then And then Tetris happens? I, 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 it's vague. It was for Prison of the Past, which was actually uh, of the TV specials. Very um, enjoyable. Yeah, I feel like they've been doing a lot better with the TV specials yeah. in recent years. You've definitely shown me some clunkers, but this was very enjoyable. Yeah, I have not I have not shown you the, re- the real clunkers. I have not shown you the ugly baby. Oh, no. Have you? I haven't even shown you a picture of this baby. You haven't. And you know what? I'm going to say don't. Let's save it for when we're watching it. No, you're going to see this baby. Oh, no. You're going to see the breezy baby. How does it compare Easy to the... Easy breezy baby. How does it compare to the Twilight baby? Mm. <laughs> I feel like the Twilight baby and the Princess of the Breeze baby are friends. They're the same baby? <laughs> I don't know if they're the same baby. Cut from the same cloth. Because they're very different um, uh, style oh, choices. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so part of it is um, this baby eats a diamond... And then they have to carry this baby around because they're waiting for the baby to shit the diamond. And not, like, shred its insides. Oh, they're fine with it shredding its yeah. in- They're doing nothing about that. They're just like, we need to carry this baby around. Do you want to hear a fun fact? That is the exact plot of the Simpsons arcade game. Maggie eats a diamond, so Mr. Burns steals the baby, and so the entire Simpsons family goes to get the baby back. I would not be surprised if they stole it from the arcade <laughs> machine. <laughs> But yeah, New York was a lot of fun. We had a really good time. Every time that we were in our hotel, there was either a Friends Marathon or a Seinfeld Marathon. So I've watched more Seinfeld in New York than I have just in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah, just turning on the TV is like that was the only thing on. Like you could always guarantee there was Seinfeld playing, which I guess that is what New York is. That's my idea of what New York is. It's not, it is not Seinfeld. And I know this because I used to live near where they filmed the outside shots. Yeah. But it is, New York is watching Seinfeld. Yeah, I I, I do think that New York is more Seinfeld than people might think. For example, I did have someone on the subway uh, challenge me to not masturbate. They did lose because they were masturbating at the time. But I think that uh, I think that Seinfeld is more true to life than, than most New Yorkers would care to admit. What, what would the Seinfeld episode with the anime convention be like? I'm pretty sure someone has, like, there's a tweet out there. Some, people like taking the Seinfeld characters and having them do silly things. Like, there's that comic that did the rounds uh, a few years ago of the Seinfeld characters playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's very good. There's that Matrix tweet that's been doing the rounds. Like, offer me two pills, no water. Like, that tweet's very good. Yeah, that, that was very, it was like, yeah, and I just, I just left. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I do do want to remind you of this led to this past weekend, um, you decided to put the Seinfeld characters with the loop on the third characters and make that a one-to-one thing. That hurts my brain a little bit. Yeah, I also wanted a t-shirt that's just the four cast members from Seinfeld and underneath 
is the Lupin the Third logo. Yeah. I don't want the Seinfeld logo that says Lupin. I want the Lupin the Third logo underneath. But you want it like you don't want it in a Seinfeld. Part. I don't want it Seinfeld style. I just want. I mean, like a separate shirt would probably be that. It's particularly of the. There's been many iterations of a Lupin the Third. Uh, yeah. What that logo is because there's a bunch of different uh, companies that release it. Yeah. There's a ton of different Lupin the Third logos, but like I guess the quote-unquote canonical logo is the one with a bullet in it. That's the one that they're using on part six. Um, that's the one because like there's the Japanese one, and then there's the Amer- like the American ones have a bunch. The Japanese yeah. one is pretty consistent. Yeah. The, the American one kind of depends on who is releasing it. Yeah. Unless it's the Koei K Lupin the the Third Erd. <laughs> I love that I logo have, so much. It's so I dumb. have no way of describing it, but it's Lupin the Roman numerals for the third. So it's Lupin the the third, but then after the Roman numerals, it does say RD. So <laughs> Lupin it's the Lupin the, the third erd. <laughs> but anyway, enough of that Lupin business. What is this podcast supposed to be? Uh, this podcast is supposed to be about The Nanny. The Nanny, the 90s sitcom The Nanny, starring Fran Drescher As opposed- and, and other people. <laughs> As opposed to uh, the, Russian the, nanny, sitcom. the Nanny, the 90s sitcom that did not star Fran Drescher. Yeah, as opposed to the Hulk Hogan movie, Mr. Nanny. And this week we are watching Material Fran, which is season two, episode four, if you're watching on the DVDs. And if you are watching on HBO Max, congratulations, you're back in season two. You have not finished season one yet, uh, but you are watching season two, episode three. Ooh, we are so close to getting back in sync. Yeah, uh, you have one more uh, season one episode. Quote, unquote. Though that's not happening for a little bit. So yeah. we're going to be fucked up for it's a It's going to be fucked up for a bit, but that's purely HBO Max's fault for going by possibly production order as opposed to broadcast order. Do you, do you want to dive into this one? Should we talk about it? Yes. So uh, we open on the kitchen and Fran uh, and Niles are just at the counter. Fran is going through the personal ads. Yeah, she's t- she's reading the ads, talking about all the losers that are that post these ads, that buy these ads. And particularly kind of the vague wording that they use yeah. of like single white female doesn't mean anything. That's, that's a movie. That's not a person. There's no such thing as a single white female. White people are a myth, Mandy. What kind of a loser shells out 200 bucks for one of these? How do you know how much it costs? And Fran responds by tipping over a bunch of shit for him to clean up. Yeah. She's and- weaponizing the class difference. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're technically in the same class, I guess, sort of. They're both working class, I would yeah. say, right? Because they're both working do you, for... Do you think Niles ever does, like, the opposite thing of, like, oh, uh, oh, I'm just going to give all the children caffeine. I'm putting caffeine in all the food. Don't fuck with me, Fran. I'm gonna drug these... I'm giving them fucking weed. And you gotta <laughs> deal with this. And you know what? Maxwell's gonna blame you. He's gonna think you did it. Uh, no, I think they have too much of a friendly... Friendly back and forth. But Fran... But... Fran is, like, she's crossing that line. She's, yeah, I mean, she did knock over what appeared to be a whole box of pasta. I think it was cereal. Was it cereal? Yeah. My brain says Because it was a weirdly shaped box for it to be uh, pasta. It could be big, big pasta. (laughs) It could be a big box of pasta. Big pasta as opposed to big pasta. The the pasta hoops. Is it? It's the pasta's pasta. It's pasta brand pasta. Say pasta? Pasta. 
Say pastor. Pasta. Pastor. Pasta. 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 Pastor. Pasta. Oh, no, now you've done it. Now you've activated my favorite game, which the podcast audience gets to hear for the first time. Is it pasta or pasta? Here are the rules, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to say one of two words. It will either be pasta, as in a member of the clergy, or pasta, an Italian foodstuff. I'm going to say one of those two words, and Mandy has to guess which one it is. Mandy, how are you feeling? Bad. Okay, well, let's get started. You okay? Round one. Okay. Round one of 27. Here oh, we go. No. All right. Pasta. Pastor. Wrong. Pasta. 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 Correct. Pasta. Pastor. No. Pasta. 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 Yes. Pasta. Pasta. No. Pasta. Pasta. Pastor. Nope. Pasta. 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 Nope. Pasta. Pasta. Pastor. Correct. Pasta. Pasta. Nope. Pasta. Pasta. What? What? This isn't real. Pasta. Pastor. Nope. Pasta. Pasta. What? Oh no. Pasta. Oh no. Five seconds left on the clock. Pasta. Pasta. Nope. Pasta. Pasta. Nope, Pat, I'm sorry, that is the buzzer, that is all the time that we have. How many did she get right? No, no one was keeping, no one was keeping count, so I don't Aww. actually know how many you got right. Um, will I turn in next week for porn versus pawn? Not next week we'll be doing porn and porn, yep, absolutely, that is exactly how it's gonna go. Um, thank you for playing, uh, has, has she won anything? You won this figure of a character that you bought while you were at Anime NYC. What, what character is it, Benjamin? What character is it? It's Sword Person. All it's sword. It's, it's anime. It's, they're all sword people. It's Itty Binny Inayusha. Yeah, yeah, I was so I, I didn't pronounce it correctly, but I got it right. Tune, tune in next week for Porn and Porn. <laughs> What happens next? Oh yeah, uh, so then Gracie comes in, mm-hmm. and uh, she, apparently she has a slumber party that she's in, been invited to, but she's not planning on going uh, because she doesn't want to spend the night without her bear. Which is a, a stuffed toy. We're not. To- it's not like a like a weird thing. No, she it's a is, bear. She is still a small child. Yeah. So it is a small teddy bear. And ironically, like, literally, even before we were watching this episode, we were talking about stuffed bears and, like, this exact thing, uh, particularly you have a a kind of a story of, like, people deciding at the age that you should no longer have a stuffed bear. I don't know how old I was. I must have been somewhere between six and eight. But my sister and I, when we were both very little, were given bears. Hers was kind of a brown honey bear, and mine was a black and white panda. Now, I took this panda everywhere. I called him Fred. Because he was made of thread. That's literally as far as the thought process goes. <laughs> yes. He would come everywhere with me. I would bring him in the car with me when we went to the shops. When we went shopping, I would want to take him into the shops with me. But my dad said, no, they'll think you shoplifted it. They'll think you stole it. Leave it in the car. He'll be there when you get back. Instilling in me at a very early age a fear that I might at any moment be accused of shoplifting. Which fucking happened. When I was in my teens. We'll come back to that. It's one of those, like, the, the story is you're ginger and you lived in a place where that was enough. People assume that you were naughty. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, but uh, I remember one day when I was very young, again, I must have been between the ages of six and eight. Everyone in my family had decided, Ben is too old to have a teddy bear. So 
One night when I went to bed, my cousin Andy, who I guess in, at, his, at this point in his life, he would have been in his 20s, said to me, well, okay, Fred's going in the cupboard now. Off he goes. And I watched my cousin Andy put Fred in the cupboard in my bedroom and say, he's going to be all right. He's fine. He's going to be good in there. The next morning I went to find him, he was gone. And I never saw Fred again. Never saw him again. And then you got an anxiety disorder. And then I got an anxiety disorder. Now, my sister got to keep honey. My sister kept honey, her bear, throughout her entire life. It was one of her prized possessions. She still has honey to this day. I was not reunited with Fred at all. I thought Fred was gone. I assumed Fred was gone. I did not get the opportunity to see Fred again until 2014, when my mother had passed away. I was in England at the time. And my sister said, Mum has kept hold of Fred all this time, and now he's yours again. So, I, I have this bear now that was a very important part of my life when I was very, very young, and then was just taken. And they knew. It wasn't, like, stolen or lost. It was, they decided, at a young age, a young boy, for that is the gender they had assigned me, um, a young boy should not have a bear at that age. And so, goodbye, Fred. And it's probably a contributing factor to a number of anxiety disorders. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah, but now but now you have Fred, and Fred is in our bedroom, and Fred is with us. Yeah. And you've got a Fred. And if, you feel, if you're feeling sad, and Mandy's not around, you can hug Fred and go, I wish Fred had titties. <laughs> How did you know that's what I say to him? <laughs> oh, there's a little, you didn't know there's a little recorder in there. There better not be. I mean, it's a bear from the 80s. A little recorder would be Russian spy equipment. The bear is just one big recording block. Yeah. It's a Commodore 64 tape deck in there. <laughs> so yeah, Gracie has been invited to this, uh, this sleepover. She doesn't want to go because she's worried she'll get made fun of for having a bear. That will come back in the in the post-credit sequence, the, the during-credit sequence. Yeah, um, there's a lot of Fran kind of makes various like jokes about like... Just don't know if I can sleep alone. Oh, don't worry. You get used to it. <laughs> and that kind of becomes uh, a running gag throughout the, the episode of yeah. helping Gracie get over her need to have this bear with her. And it just kind of goes on. There's a bit at the end that we will talk about, but I figure I will forget where the actual moments where it does happen uh, will be a thing. But so just just know in the background of this episode, Gracie is trying to uh, overcome her need to have a bear while she sleeps. Her bear anxiety. Yes. Look for the bear anxiety. I don't know what rhymes with anxiety. <laughs> now I'm anxious about that and the bear. <laughs> so we have our opening titles. Do you know what is interesting about that cold open? No music cue to lead into it. It's just bam, here's the episode. Yeah, it did. I'm wondering, it's either a thing of just kind of timing-wise, because it all happens very quickly. Yeah. Which I feel like in any other thing, it would almost seem like something of like, oh, we need some extra time to fill out this episode. Here's this thing. But it does lead into the whole Gracie bit of explaining yeah. the the bear thing, the rest of it. It felt a bit tacked on and maybe a thing of just like, they just didn't have another place to kind of set up that thing. Or they'd had it previously but it took too much time like we're just gonna we're just gonna have a moment we're gonna have the personal ads and gracie got bear anxiety it could also be a reshoot it could be they originally had a cold open that was more bear focused you know how tv often opens you know people people care about their bears so much so so tv shows will just do an opening that's like so focused on a bear so that they can really reach out to their their core bear demographic or bear demographic if you will so they do that sometimes in the 90s (laughs) 
Um, so maybe they wrote a version that was more bear focused and then realized, well, we're a minute or two minutes short and then re- wrote an extended version of the cold open and then reshot yeah. it. Which does kind of make sense. So when we return from the credits, Fran is still on the personal ads and there's an additional joke about personal ads. Yeah. This one is about um, a bisexual couple looking for their unicorn. They do not say that, but as someone who's been on OkCupid a lot and been on Tinder, like that's what it is. Yeah, the, the, that it was a personal ad that was basically we. My partner and I saw you from across the bar, and we really dig your vibe. Yeah, but it was like so it was like, oh, we got a snake. Our PO box is six six six, which I don't think you get to pick that. I feel like you lucked into that. Someone assigned that to you, and them saying like, "No weirdos," which the joke is definitely the like, like, "Oh, look at these weirdos being bisexual and having a snake," but also they are being very three edgy five me. I also know from that personal ad, like, don't judge them because they're bisexuals. Judge them because they're fucking these people. Judge them because they have a snake and a, a PO box <laughs> and a 666. Because it's probably, oh, I can't get rid of this. No one wants this, this 666 PO box because they all think it's the devil's PO box. Ah, we'll take it. We'll have all of our horny, horny letters sent there, Mr. Postbox Man. Yeah, like, you just know, like... In- this joke is too early because it is a, like, it's personal ads. They don't have the pictures. So they, they don't have the lure that, like, you get on Tinder where two-thirds of the women that you see on Tinder are the lure for a bisexual couple. Yeah. And then you got you got to swipe four to see, like, the 57-year-old guy that they actually want you to fuck. Oh, yeah. It's an, it's a, it's an old bald guy with a, a beard that comes down into a braid, and he's wearing a long leather jacket. And it's the 90s, so if it's in the UK... <laughs> seven of your dad's books. He's, he's seven of my dad's <laughs> books, and he's probably wearing a Red Dwarf t-shirt. Let's, <laughs> let's be blunt. He's like, the, he's like the pee-pee boy. Yeah, our pee-pee boy? He's like pee-pee boy. I think pee-pee boy listens to this podcast. Oh, don't! You're gonna give an, our entire cat, our entire audience anxiety <laughs> over whether they're peepee boy. Which one of you? Let's play a brand new game, brand new to the podcast for the first time. Which one of you is the peepee boy? <laughs> no, we're not gonna do that. Um. So what happens? Now? I, I we just watched this episode and I cannot remember what happens next. Oh, that yeah. doesn't bode well. That's not a good sign. Yeah. So they're still in the kitchen. Uh, it's basically continued on. Um, I think Cece comes in briefly to uh, bitch at Niles. Oh, there's some kind of s- yeah. society thing. Yeah. Right? So she's throwing a big society thing because they need money for a play that they're doing. Yeah. Um, Can't they just set up a GoFundMe like everyone else? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> oh, you know, I'm sorry. It's not like a broken hip or something unimportant. It's 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 a play. It's a play. So they would do a Patreon. They might do an Indiegogo. Oh, yeah, because then they absolutely, like, they would try to do it on Kickstarter, and then it would not uh, meet it in time, so they would cancel it, and they would move it's it to Indiegogo. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. People forget, uh, Stephen Sondheim passed away, obviously, this week, which is a terrible tragedy, but people, um, I think, neglect to to really kind of take in to just really what talk a- about how he never fulfilled his back orders. <laughs> he never fulfilled his back orders. What a, he was a pioneer in the crowdfunding space. <laughs> he he was uh, Indiegogoing and kickstarting before either of those things were real things. He would just stand in the middle of Times Square and yell, "Go fund me!" and people would just walk up to him with money. That's how you did it in the nineties. That's how you funded a personal project, or you did this, I guess. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, I was gonna, I was about to say, can you imagine if Hamilton was crowdfunded? But like, if any musical has a crowdfunded vibe to it, it's definitely Hamilton. Yeah, 
Uh, what were you? What were you going to say about Sondheim? That was the bit I was doing a fun okay. bit about Son. I mean, he's very dead, <laughs> which does mean he can't write to us and tell us he's upset about us. this joke. He can't. Yeah, come at me, the late great Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> come at me, bro. What you? <laughs> God, I feel really bad. Oh. What are you gonna do? Make someone sing at me so hard that I cry? <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Make me feel emotions? Move me to tears with your spectacular genre redefining songwriting for the in, in musical theatre? Yeah, sick burn on you, Stephen Sondheim. RIP. RSVP. RSVP, Stephen Sondheim. Do this roast of Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. There's nothing... You know what? The best time to roast someone is immediately after they've passed away. Yeah. That's really it. When I die, I'm only inviting people that hate me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true. I'm marrying you, idiot. But you can still hate me. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Otherwise, they would not have allowed my parents to get married. Oh, so it's like when my mum used to say, I love you, but I don't like you sometimes. Oh, my mom did that so much. Yeah, I don't get why parents feel like, oh, you know what, this is a definitely a cool and good thing to say to my child. To my child who has not yet hit double digits. Yeah, I know my mom tries to be my friend and be like, no, you already said you don't like me. You don't like, so, cool, so th- we, let's not make this anything it needs to be. <laughs> Cece is doing a, a big society party and is bothering Niles to do things. He is in charge of making cream puffs, that he has assured Cece are fat-free cream puffs, which... Fran immediately knows it's like no, they're these are absolutely not. To which uh, Niles piles on more. He just curls one out on top of one of these puffs. Yeah, which generally is a joke. I'm not super fond of because it kind of. I was talking with someone yesterday about it. Of there are people who have actual dietary yeah. reasons that you will actually kill someone. Please stop doing the tee They asked for diet coke, and I'm going to give them regular. You are going to kill somebody. Ha ha! This person came into the Starbucks I work in and asked for decaf. I gave them regular caffeinated coffee. Cool. You may have killed someone with a heart condition today. That's rad. That's rad and good of you, you fucking murderer. Yeah. Don't, don't. Like, I I have a lot of, like, food adver- food aversions. I have a lot of things where it's, like, sense- like sensory-wise, like, I can eat it. And I frequently ha- have to because, like, oh, I asked for this thing and then you did it. I'm like, well, my options are to starve. But it's like, oh, this is all the sensory stuff that I'm now having to cringe through eating my meal that you don't want to do because you are confused why I'm asking for a burger without bread, but I also want a fried egg on it, and I also want a milkshake, and be like, that's not how diets work, and be like, guess what, I wasn't dieting. I just don't like wet bread. The assumption that everyone who wants something that is gluten-free is, oh, well, clearly it's a fad diet. No, like, there are some people who have what is, it's called a gluten intolerance, that doesn't mean they're racist against gluten. It means their body cannot digest it. Also, maybe I don't, just don't want your fucking bread. You get all mad at burger places for the. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. the American burger. Like, you're fucking... This country cannot do burgers right anymore because everyone has a brioche bun. And the reason they have brioche buns is because they, they take longer to spoil. So they can sit on the shelves longer. I will die on this hill of brioche buns are the worst thing to happen to the fast food cheeseburger. Yeah, so you could, if you're going to get a burger, we should just have burger buns. And yeah. And if you get a burger, then you could just put your own bun with it. No, because here's the thing, Amanda, dearest, 
apple of my eye, jewel in the crown that is my life. I fucking did that for a hot minute. When the burger joint down the road was still a burger joint and not a weird taco place and is now nothing, they did brioche buns and I hated them for it. I'm glad they went out of business. No, that's too mean. Um, but I bought my own buns. I bought wheat buns so that when I bought a burger from the place down the road, because the burgers, buns aside, very nice. I bought wheat buns. You gently roasted me for buying different buns. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. I'm not the one serving you. I wasn't preventing you from doing it. I'm just going to sell my couch. And make fun of me for it. You know me. I was going to make fun of you for anything. <laughs> I got to come home with a check for a billion dollars. I'm like, oh, get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the... Look at me. I got my billion dollars. Yeah. Do you not want a piece of my billion? Oh, I absolutely do. <laughs> Soon I will be legally entitled to it. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> um, cut to interior society soiree day. CC is attempting to be charming, which is in and of itself terrifying. Uh, trying to talk to the women in the room about how great uh, the arts are. This luncheon is very important. These women are deciding between contributing to our show and the children's milk fund. I don't want any thirsty little brats beating me out of that money. <laughs> The one that I remember is like Maxwell being confused as to like who these people are and like not very not very down for all these people in his living room. I feel like he didn't know this was gonna happen. Uh and he was like, Who who the hell are these people? And be like, Oh, they're married to rich people. Uh he's like, Oh yeah, now I'm gonna be uh charming and British at them. This says a lot about Maxwell's relationship with uh money. And uh he's not afraid to suck up for a bite of that cash teat. You bite a nipple, don't you? Just chomp down. <laughs> That's why you're not allowed near my nipples. <laughs> not since the incident. Not since the incident. So they are doing this charming soiree, and then uh, Fran starts screaming at Brighton, who runs through the thing, and then she follows after, and then she's kind of just pausing and in the party, and then she stops, and she recognizes... Her friend Kathy. Yes, her friend Kathy, uh, who is played by... I know it's a woman named Judith, and her last name, I'm not going to be able to Budith. pronounce. It's not, it's not, it's, it's H-O-A-G, it's Hogue. How would you pronounce this? Oh, Judith Hogue. Hogue, yeah. okay, Hogue. You know Judith Hogue, she played April O'Neil in the first two Ninja Turtles movies. Which you did not know that. I did not know that. I was like, because I immediately. I didn't recognize her. I immediately recognized her as something. I did not recognize her from, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because I have not seen that movie. Um, oh, I recognized. Movie at some point. I recognized her as the mom from Halloween Town. Yes, she is in that one as well. Yeah, because I'd been looking and I was like looking through her IMDb and I was like, maybe I recognize her from Weeds, but she's like, she's only like an episode or two there. And I was like, it feels weird that that would be like the iconic thing that I think mm. of her from. And no, it was, she is the mom in Halloween Town. Quick aside, has anyone done a parody of Weeds called Weebs and it is about someone doing their own fan subs and posting them online? <laughs> It'd be like the Crunchyroll origin story or whatever the fuck. You absolutely like, yeah. would. Oh my yeah. god. Weebs. I might have to write that now. I've said it out loud and put it into the universe. Oh. Like it, I love the idea of it like being a... like a, If Breaking Bad is like the chaotic evil, uh, then Weebs would be like chaotic good. Because it would be like... A mother whose kids love anime, but they can they can't watch the anime. That oh, they and they were enjoying they were enjoying anime with their dad, who like had a heart attack. Yeah. Like, how do I connect? How do I get these children? Like, oh, and he was he had connections, so he was getting them like tapes from other countries yeah. that actually imported these. 
Um, and what am I going to do? And then she gets into the fan sub community. She starts fan subbing and like sets up an online server with uh, like VHS rips with uh, subs. As the years go on, she gets like she's the one uploading the three part YouTube episodes <laughs> back when YouTube had a 10 minute uh, video time limit. So we know exactly when this show is set. It's like 2004 to 2008. That's kind of the window. Yeah. I don't think we're talking about the nanny anymore. I think this is what the podcast is about. <laughs> no! I think I think we're going to... So what's this character's name? What's her name? Or what are our, what are our kids' names? I don't know. Please just go back to the nanny. I think the mother's name should be... Jig. Jig. I don't think it should be Jig. Why not? Because that invites a lot of questions that I don't necessarily want to. Particularly if someone like, oh, well, if your name's Jag, I already assumed that you were a weeb to start with. Why are you just now getting into this? Her husband spoke Japanese. So her husband would in- would uh, translate as they were watching the videos. And that's how the kids bonded with the dad. And when the dad passes away, the mother doesn't doesn't speak Japanese. But she does know other people who do, and she she pays them to do the translations. And then it does become a funny thing because she just she does know uh, s- sex words in Japanese. Um, so she knows then a she, few key phrases. Yeah, so then she does end up getting into like a hentai kind of. So I was like, oh no, I know exactly what that is. I know the yeah. best uh, like localization that we should do uh, between those two things. Yeah, it's and her fan subs are lauded by the fan community, but then uh, someone from Interpol is trying to track her down for a bootlegging anime, <laughs> and it's someone whose name is Detective Zenigata, no relation, <laughs> it's just his name. Just that his actually name. would be very funny. I want to write this. Weebs. Weebs. Yeah. Uh, Kathy says she's never seen Fran before oh, in her life. So we didn't we didn't say the thing. So she recognized her friend Kathy and is immediately like, "Hey, it's it's Kathy. You got new teeth, new titties. Everything's new. You ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan." <laughs> uh, she do, she does have legs, but uh, Kathy stops and she says like very fancily, "Like I have no idea who you are, poor woman." How dare you! I've never been more insulted in my life. Yeah. How dare you! She does talk. You know like, who I am. She like Richard Nixon in uh, Futurama. Yeah. yeah, and Cece's like, this is fucking Kathy Bathy of the like, Cotswold Kathy's or whatever is, the fuck. G- Cece gets to have a great physical moment of the just the way that she grabs Fran. Like, mm. I know this did not happen, but in my mind's eye, she like grabs her by the neck and holds her <laughs> in the air. That does happen in the anime adaptation <laughs> of the like, nanny. You will not speak. The the anime version of the nanny would be called something like my children's new nanny is a an MLM reseller or my new life as a rich people nanny or something to that. I'm like I can't believe my children's new nanny is such a hot piece of tot. Yeah, I can't believe my children's new nanny enjoys Gavelta fish so much. <laughs> There would be a lot more cold opens of, like, Maxwell accidentally walking in on Fran in the bathroom, and it's all steamy, and you get kind of like a hint of side boot and no nipple, and then his nose explodes. (laughs) 
And then the rest I of the mean, episode would carry could, on like, as given normal. That, given that Fran is actually the protagonist, it would be, I can't believe my uh, new employer uh, dresses so nicely during tea time. Because we have had yeah. the shower scene, but we had it with we Maxwell. It, oh, yeah. Oh, it would be very much about the, the female gaze. Yeah, it would be very much the female gaze, but it would also, like, it would be a harem where it's like, is she going to date Maxwell? Is she going to date Niles? Is she going to date Cece? Yes. I, I, can't, I, I want this now. You can tell we just got back from an anime convention, huh? Because this is 80% of the podcast. Um, so, uh, Fran is in the kitchen with Val. Yes, and uh, they're talking like, oh yeah, like, for some reason Val has also decided to show up on the day that they're doing this party. There's no explanation. Like, if they wanted to have an explanation, it's like, oh, she's there because they know that there's going to be extra food. Um, but also, quick question. Why is the the... The snack food they're giving out at this soiree, cream puffs. Cream puffs. The thing you eat one of at Costco and go, I don't think I'm buying these. Why is that the rich people food in this show? What is going on? Well, I assume that Niles's are better than Costco. You that's a hell of an assumption. He didn't know what was in the cream until Fran pointed it out. I think he knew what was in the cream. I think I think he knew. What was in the puffs, maybe. I think, I think in this in the anime version, he would know because he would have made what was in the cream. It would have been a, a very dynamic shot. It would have started at the camera, would have started on the cream puffs and then panned up no, to it his would like, have, it would have started, face it with would a have red background. It would have started just with, like, you would see him and you would see this white stuff splurting out around where his pants are. Um, and then you would see that he is holding, uh, like, a paper. His dick. Oh, no. The, yeah. <laughs> that he's like, but it would, the implication would be that he is jizzing all over these pops I'm like no teehee it's just uh baking and not he jizz <laughs> moving very swiftly up. so so fran is like yeah kathy bathy or whatever the fuck her name was was at this thing and she's aged like a bowl of fruit and she her her entire facial situation is like upside down inside out she looks she's new new titties um like just being just being catty to the point uh niles calls it out and it's a great little line uh that i'm sure you will include here Let's hear it now. Meow mix, ladies. <laughs> but then Kathy, or Catherine, as Cece uh, refers to her as, goes through. And first she's just asking uh, for the bathroom and being very stoic. But then uh, she drops the act. She code switches and has more of a New York accent. Brooklyn-y kind yeah. of Queensy accent. Excuse me. Could somebody please point me to the powder room? Uh, yeah, sure. Cause I busted out of gym class and I'm dying for a smile. I knew it was you! Friend goes up and hugs and is like, oh, we were just telling Val how beautiful you are and doing doing that fake shit bitches do. And she reveals that she, she, the reason she's there is because she married up. She's married a rich guy who's in high society in Manhattan. And then, uh, this is actually a funny story. He hit her car, so she sued him, and then they fell in love. I, there's a middle part where I guess a lawsuit happens, but they're married now. And she points out to Fran, hey, you should also, he has a friend who, also rich. Yeah, there is, so, yeah, he points out there's a friend. Part of that is because he was like, oh, what are you, what are you doing here? And Fran is like, I'm the nanny, uh, mm. to which Kathy's a little like, ah, oh, we thought you would be doing better with yourself. To which Fran is like, nope, <laughs> nope, not, 
Really? Oh, well, I showed them. <laughs> but that's when Kathy was like, my husband has a friend and you should be with that friend. So the, a date is arranged. Cut to Fran getting ready for a date. She's in what can only be described as like Jessica Rabbit on the top. Yeah. And what is on the bottom? Like cocktail waitress on the bottom. Yeah, like it's a very short, it's like a red sequiny dress, um, kind of a low cut back, uh, spaghetti straps, like very uh, nicely fit. It's very nice. Like yeah. I have to say, this is a nice. It's not. It's not of the level of like that. That dress that she wears in the pilot. Yeah, but it's, it's the same kind of red. Yeah, it's the same kind of red, like sequiny things. It is. It's almost, and it's still like a very similar silhouette to what she wears normally. It's just that typically they do it where she has a turtleneck underneath. Yeah, and this is just without the turtleneck, yeah. so you get kind of get the full uh, thing of it. Uh, there's a little bit about she's putting in like these big earrings, and she doesn't know where the other one is. And Niles is like uh, fixing a chandelier. There's a cute little bit there that I want to mention. Um, there's also, so before she leaves, and this is something the previous thing that I had forgot to mention, Maggie comes in and she is trying to go to a concert for Stone Temple Pilots, yes. which is a band that Fran does not know what that no. is, uh, which is like, I get it because of the time that this is, but something of like Stone Temple Pilots is something that like, that's what my parents listen to. <laughs> uh, that's a dad band. Yeah, I have a hard time believing Fran wouldn't know who Stone Temple Pilots are. Yeah, especially because like she is, I mean, she's meant to be a bit old, but like was still being single and going out before this. Yeah. Um, I think more so it might be a thing of like, it is a surprise to her that she doesn't know about it as opposed to like Maxwell obviously yeah. doesn't know who these people are. Yeah, she says like, I'm not that old. And then when Maggie says the band's name Stone Temple Pilots, she said, oh, I guess I'm a hundred years old. Yeah. She's shocked she doesn't know who this, which in fairness... I'm 35. That happens to me frequently. Yeah, I, there's there's a ton of bands that yeah. I just I just I don't I don't know. I listen to the same eight songs over and over yeah. again. I listen to Doctor Who scores and soundtracks, <laughs> um, and also the Tetris Effect soundtrack, which is very very good. Yeah. Um, but Maggie, <laughs> thank you for humoring that. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> moving swiftly away from the Tetris. Yeah, uh, we talked about <laughs> anime for eight thousand years. We can talk about Tetris for one minute. No, we can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Maggie is trying uh, to get tickets to the sold-out show um, and wants Maxwell to use his connections. And so uh, Maggie asks Fran before she leaves, like, can you can you please ask my father for these? And so Fran tries, and uh, Maxwell's like, hell fucking no. And so then uh, Fran uses some reverse psychology. He's like, oh, well, you probably couldn't get those tickets anyway. And and Maxwell says, well, I'll show you. Blah, 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 blah. I could get tickets for every Sondheim thing. And he's like, uh, oh, that's that bitch. bitch. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> we already negged him. We already negged him. We don't got to worry about those. We negged him to death. We want something for rock and roll. These are rock and roll people. Oh, I know rock and roll. You know Donovan? To which my brain goes, what, Jason Donovan? Like, I have, no, I have no idea who they were talking about. And then they they quickly switch over. And then, like, for the rest of the episode, when they are talking about, like, oh, in my day, rockers, it's the Beatles. They only just reference Beatles songs the yeah, rest of the time. There's a lot of Beatles references in this episode. Yeah. Uh, some of which I, I greatly enjoy because it's like, oh, this was real music. I want to hold your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What artist? There's a great bit where Fran is talking about how she, the, the the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and she talks about how she finds a particular lyric distasteful. The girl with colitis goes by? 
That would have, if my dad were alive, that would have killed him. Yeah, it was it was a good bit. It is. I didn't have much of that. Like, I also my parents were not Beatles people. My, my dad very was. Uh, my version of that uh, was the song. What's the Blur song that made a Mar that they made into a Mario? It's like oh, the song two. Song two, yeah, like the Blur song. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that he was saying words. <laughs> oh, the, the lyrics. I got my I, I got my head checked by a jumbo jet. It wasn't easy, but nothing is. Woohoo. When I feel heavy metal, woohoo. And I'm pins and I'm needles, woohoo. Yeah, apparently, when I lie and I'm easy. Apparently if you're English, he doesn't sound weird. All of the time and I'm never sure if I need you. I also had Pleased that. Pleased to meet uh, you. So the song Loser by Beck. Yeah. I always thought he was saying lizard. And I thought it was a song about being a lizard. And the uh, the part where he's saying in Spanish, soy un perro. I thought, like, so whenever I heard a, uh, heard a word in a song that I didn't know, I assumed it was a bad word, so I thought he was saying a sex thing about lizards. <laughs> I'm a horny lizard. <laughs> I'm a horny Randy Dick lizard. So well, why don't you kill me? Yeah, I'm like, I want to <laughs> fuck a lizard. Maybe, maybe this was not meant to be. I am a horn. I am horny for lizards. A crime in this country. <laughs> and I am to be put to death. Beck. <laughs> I was in middle school. Yeah, it wasn't until like those VH1 I love the decade things where they would go through the music of each year that and they were talking about the song Loser. I was like, oh, it's Loser. Oh. <laughs> it's because I thought it was just a weirdly specific Florida song. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I want to fuck a lizard. Got, I am going to die. We got a bunch of lizards. They're everywhere. You put one in your ears and wear them as earrings. Yeah. Beck fight. loves that. That's his fetish. Yeah, he was really into that. Yeah, it's not that he wanted to fuck a lizard. It's that he is sexually aroused by lizards clamping I think I've changed my mind. Ears. I think it is about lizards. <laughs> and uh, Beck is just too scared to admit it. And I, you can come out to me, Beck. It's fine. Anyway, moving away from Beck. Friend's date arrives and they open the door and it's Alfred. Yes. Uh, so it is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Who I guess... Uh, Jr.? Yeah. There are uh, two people with that name. Because he is the son of the renowned Russian-born concert violinist. Interesting. Uh, yeah. He was born in 1918. He passed away in 2014. Um, I guess he's mostly known for like 77 Sunset Strip. And there was another thing that was up that is no longer here. But the thing that he was currently doing while this was airing and the thing that we would know him for is he is Alfred in Batman the Animated Series and various cartoons that they did after. He also did Doc Ock in the Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, nice. Oh, that's that's a varied career of different, like, DC hero, Marvel villain. Is kind of a, like, he seemed to have a very, he was in 101 Dalmatians, like the live action one. But yeah, in 1993, he was in Mighty Ducks. Mm. Uh, he was in the Iron Man cartoon. He was in Gargoyles. Quite a quite a career. Yeah, like definitely at this point in time, he was doing just like voice work stuff. Yeah. Um, he got a clap, so that's why I knew that. Like, yeah, oh, he's someone. Yeah, he yeah. is someone. He is someone that people are surprised to see, and probably not for being Alfred. Like nowadays, he would get claps because he was Alfred. Nowadays, he would get claps for being alive. Like the <laughs> yeah. man, I'd be like, oh, oh, how? You're over a hundred years old. Like, bro- go, good for you, bravo, sir. 
Fran is surprised that there is a much older gentleman. Uh, Cece and Niles, I think, both kind of have their fun about it. But Fran goes on the date anyway. Um, and also the guy, I forget the name of the character. Uh, he was uh, Theodore. Theodore. Actually kind of also makes some jokes about his age as well. Like he's, he, un- he, he understands there's an age difference. Yeah. But he's, I think at this point in the episode, he's actually very charming and funny and self-effacing and... Kind yeah, of- like, and being like very nice and sweet about it, like not doing anything kind of like overt. There is an easy joke to play about like creepy old man doing stuff. He's very respectful. Yeah. And I think part of that is that because he is a guest actor... Um, and somebody who, like, again, people did the big claps for. They probably, like, I'm sure there is a there is a draft of the script in which he is a creepier guy. Um, but because of the actor they have in there, like, oh, we don't want to be distasteful with mm. you. I, I see that. I actually think it's the other way around. I think they very deliberately and calculatedly written him as charming now. So that he does draw Fran in. Because Fran is initially like kind of put off by the age difference. But very clearly in the next scene when it's breakfast, she's wearing a tiara. She, she clearly had a good time. She's surprised by how much of a good time that she yeah, had. Yeah, she's having a good time. They're, yeah. all, they're all making jokes about her tiara and how old the guy is. And like, oh, can you believe that he even survived the night? Yeah. But I, I think that he's very deliberately written as charming here so it's kind of not to spoil the ending if you haven't watched the episode already you might want to go and watch it now um but uh it's kind of a slide from being charming to... but even then like i mean it's definitely a slide yeah um but it, he never does again there's the easy joke of him being a creep yeah and he's never overtly a creep yeah it's it's more of a generational attitude towards women thing rather than an overtly creepy thing which is not not to forgive it yeah like the problem is the exact opposite of what you would expect of you would expect that like oh he would be too handsy on her or he would do some like weird like that's not that's the opposite of what the problem ends up being and i think this is kind of uh kind of exemplified um by when they are sitting down for breakfast fran is pointing out all of the flowers that have been sent to her would you look at all these flowers for a handshake? What do you get for a goodnight kiss, Holland? It's very clear at this point that she's kind of taken by his his charm. He's a he's a charming person, mm. and that's when he shows up and says, "Hey, how do you feel about doing lunch in Paris or dinner in Paris?" Yeah, and at first, so like before he says the dinner in Paris, like, "Oh, I I just want to see you again. I want to spend more time with you." And Fran is like. Oh, well, just, you don't have to take me places. Like, I just want to sit and, like, talk and get to know each other better. And it's like, let's do dinner in Paris. And she's like, okay then. Yeah. But it's during the private flight. We're kind of whizzing through the episode now, but it's during that private flight where Fran realizes, oh, the thing I want where I get to sit and talk with you, this is a flight where we could do that. Flight from New York to Paris is, what, six to eight hours? They don't talk because it's... It's it's Theodore. been it's been a double date with yeah. Kathy and her husband, and so the two guys are talking, and they're they're supposed to just be talking. With they're doing each business other. on a very clunky old laptop. Yeah, Fran wants to have a conversation. That's not happening. Kathy is saying basically, you get used to it. This is the life. Deal with it. Uh, there's some uh, great physical gags of them being on the flight, and they like serve lobster. The Kathy does not eat the lobster, so Fran shoves hers in her purse. Stuffs it in her purse. Um, anytime that she tries to sip on her champagne, 
or uh, try to eat our lobster, they get turbulence and you're just shaking. It's just shaking the thing. It's very fun. I don't think it's quite, it's not the best piece of physical comedy. Yeah, because it's very, it is the thing that it's you It's very expect. restrained because it's in the chair as yeah. well. But it's fun. And Fran kind of realizes she doesn't want to just sit here and, and eat food. She wants to go and talk to Theodore. And so she gets out of a chair and sits next to Theodore. And what exactly happens here? Because he's kind of condes- kind of a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. So, like, there's a bit where uh, Kathy kind of gets called over to her husband. She's going to go sit in his lap. And Fran's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And Kathy's like, that's what you want to do if you got to get the money. Uh, that's kind of the, the thing. Like, we never, like, really see it. But it kind of ends on, on that thing. Of like, oh, you are, you are here to be a cute little trinket. He doesn't want to get to know her. He wants to look at her. Yeah, it's arm candy. Yeah. Um, I have certainly been in this relationship many times. So we cut back to Maxwell House in the kitchen. Fran is talking with Val. She she was in Paris. She's complaining because she didn't get to spend any time with her, what is ostensibly her boyfriend. Yeah, and so she's planning on breaking up with him because all she got to do was go on a shopping trip and go to dinner at a five-star restaurant. And Val fucking hates her, which I, I get both sides of these of the like, hey, you got to go on an amazing thing. And like, we do not have the luxury of just flying to Paris whenever we want. Yeah. I think this is an interesting thing because on one hand, there is a certain amount of privilege in the experience that Fran had. But the other thing is, that doesn't erase the realization that she had of like, the stuff and the experiences of being in Paris don't make up for the fact that she hasn't been afforded the opportunity to form a connection yeah, with this and person. Yeah, and she she wanted a romantic trip in Paris. Yeah. She did not want to just go to Paris. And, like, she just wanted to go to Paris. Like, respect that sugar baby lifestyle. Like, I think Ka- what Kathy is doing is fine. Yeah. Like, I Kathy, ver- like, I, we're not meant to get the sense that Kathy likes her husband. We're meant to get the sense of Kathy is doing this to kind of, like, get nice things she likes her lifestyle she doesn't like the man yeah um but that's also the life that she's chosen and she's happy with that her husband is happy with that. yeah her husband is happy with it um i think best case scenario if you hope that they have like best case scenario they have kind of firmed that up of you are just a sugar baby with some marriage benefits then that's fine Live. Chase, chase your bliss. But it is the realization during this trip to Paris that we do not get to see, for budgetary reasons, I'm sure, that has Fran realizing that's not what she wants. We do get to see the Eiffel Tower. We do get to see the Eiffel Tower. And there's a great little bit of, uh, like, oh, Val's so stupid. She thinks the Eiffel Tower leans. And then uh, uh, Fran corrects her, like, no, that's Big Ben. Yeah. I, and I do lean when my leg and my hip are bad. Um, <laughs> and I, I love that, like... Because there's so many jokes about how Val is stupid. Yeah. But I love where they just kind of like, no, they're both stupid. Yeah. Things that kind of imply that it's not that Val is... The more I think about it, the more they, the more of them actively portraying Val as stupid kind of starts to... Especially when they juxtapose it with Fran also saying something kind of stupid... Really, to me, kind of exemplifies kind of a class divide. Yeah, it is a class thing of like, hey, neither of you got good book learning. They went to a public school where they were tormented by a gym teacher, and Maxwell's kids already have more of an education than either Fran or Val have ever had. Yeah, like it is a level of just, it's ignorance, not stupidity. Yeah. I mean, Val is also uh, definitely 
separately portrayed as kind of like dim-witted throughout, whereas Fran is a bit more of a quicker mind. She's street smart. Yeah, she's yeah. street smart, but she's not like, she does not know the various attractions in uh, European countries. She doesn't know about really what the Eiffel Tower is until she sees it. She doesn't know what Big Ben is. She's never even been to Shrek's 4D adventure. <laughs> Ultimately, like, this is the moment where, where Fran realizes that she needs to end the relationship with Theo and she starts to outline what she wants. And what she wants is, she wants to be with someone who cares about what she thinks. And that is the moment where Maxwell comes in and says, It's fine, what do you think? <laughs> and it's a repeat of a joke that they also did when Fran was dating someone and broke up with them during the first season. I think it was the, the Storm, Storm, Stormy Daniels, whoever oh, it was, yeah. the soap star. Who later went on to have sex the, with Donald was, Trump. It was either the soap star or it was the funeral director that wanted to be a clown. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was one of those. Yeah. And that relationship ended in friends talking about what she wants and how she wants someone who cares about what she thinks. And Maxwell does the same thing. He comes in twice and asks her He's like, opinion. oh, I just, ca- I just care what you, thi- what just you think. just value your opinion. And like, you're so, you're so important to me. And then as yeah. he leaves, she's like, I need someone who needs me. Yeah. And he comes in again and he says, I just need one more thing from you. And it's like, <laughs> it's a good bit. It's so good they did it twice. And I, it's one of those things where... I think we're going to be getting a lot more of yeah. these. like Because it is it is very much the hammering home of like, this is the, the, the little fanfic trope of like, oh, you don't know how perfect you are are for each other which comes up a lot in this episode particularly at the end but like this is one of those jokes where we are watching the show with too high a frequency because it's the kind of joke where you aren't supposed to notice the repetition if we if we'd watched the this episode and the previous time they did this joke a year apart we probably wouldn't have noticed it but the fact that we're watching it on dvd and we that episode still even though it was a few weeks ago is kind of fresh it's in a few mind. weeks ago yeah it's not us. several months ago. Yeah. Imagine, if you were watching it live and not watching it in like syndication. I mean, if you're watching it on Cozy TV, all of these jokes are immediately fresh because they air like a season a night or whatever the fuck. But yeah, uh, but they're just really kind of hammering home the like, oh yeah, they're like setting up this relationship, yeah. and it's also kind of a thing of when they're doing it. As the show airs in season two, you don't know because they don't know that their plan is to put them together. It is still a will they, won't they. Whereas we are watching it in hindsight of like, well, we we know that they get together. So yeah. it's just, it is definitely a bit more on the nose. Yeah. I do want to also make reference. There's a great bit about how... Uh, uh, Fran feels like Vanna White, and they're like, mm. oh, but you love Vanna White. And she's like, well, I want to be here. I want to... I want to buy the vowels. I want to solve the puzzle. <laughs> Which, actually, I remember thinking, that's so good. It's that so- is actually and- a really good metaphor. I love that. And they, they land, like, Val is like, oh, you should write that down. And it, the, the bit is that it is a dumb joke. But no, it's actually a bit one. But also, uh, that used to be my nickname in my history class senior year of high school, because I, uh, my desk was next to the map, so I always had to point <laughs> to the countries. So your geography teacher was objectifying you? Probably. Oh, wow. So Fran has decided she's going to break up with Theo. She's putting the stuff in the box of things that, she, that he gave her that he's going to give back. Except for, I guess, the earrings or whatever the fuck. Yeah, there's like a, a, a Niles like kind of calls her out and I was like, "Show me your hands," because she is concealing a ring yeah. that she doesn't want to give away yet. She does acquiesce and put the ring back in the box. Uh, there's like, there's great like diamond circle's best friend. Like, but you still got the other friends, cubic zirconia <laughs> and diamond eek. 
<laughs> was not referenced, but is my mum owns so much Diamond Eek shit. What is Diamond Eek? It was QVC's cheap diamond, which is I think just glass. Let's yeah, that's probably glass. Yeah, that's just how they branded their stuff that was supposed to look like diamond but wasn't. It's glass. My, 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 we went through my mum's stuff after she passed away. There were so many unopened late like boxes of jewellery with like the tags still on the rings and stuff that she'd bought and she would just put away. My mum owned a fucking QVC distribution centre. I came back with so much jewellery. That's when you should have known me. Because you would have just been like, here's some jewelry. So I can get some Diamond che- Ink. Some cheap QVC jewelry. Oh, I would have been buried in Diamond Ink. Diamond, di- buried in Diamond Ink. Married in the finest diamond. Would you marry me? Here is a ring with some glass on it. <laughs> some ring that my mom bought at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> no, at 3 a.m. she was watching Cowboy Bebop on ITV3. Um... We cut to the concert because uh, Maxwell did get tickets for the concert, but also at Fran's suggestion, got two additional tickets for uh, him and Fran so that they could sit a few rows behind Maggie and her date. Yeah, that was the, that was the thing that he was yes. asking about of like, I, I, I value your opinion. What would I do without you? Yeah. That, that was the actual reason why he was yeah. coming in. But it is uh, going back to like, oh, they made the same joke in season one. It is a better joke for the reason of in season one, it was a... Hey, here's this tie, this random thing that doesn't matter, and here it actually does connect to the entire. Yeah, it does. It does plug in. It's a better version of that joke. Yeah, because we we go to we cut to the concert. They're in the lobby of the concert. It's loud. It's, it's a it's a big loud concert, and they're not they're complaining about how the music is big big rock time. They're loud, and they're not able to like necessarily hear each other. There's like misunderstandings. They dunk on the Beatles, but you know they think they're being very nice about the Beatles, but actually they're kind of dunking on the Beatles a little bit about the the G. Genius lyrics of she wants you know she loves you yeah 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 they uh can't quite hear each other but they both agree accidentally to get a coke and a hot dog and then they share the coke and the hot dog while talking about how they both want to be in a relationship with someone who's open and shares things with them and how there's a give and take while they're trading the soda and the and hot how dog they, back they, and, and forth. how they like they understand so much about each other and like oh they both like ketchup and mustard on the same thing yeah. which uh, means our relationship is doomed we do not like the same things on a hot dog uh, you can have my hot dog after you pry it out of my cold, dead hands, and then I guess, like, use a napkin to wipe off the ketchup and the mustard, because I fucking love ketchup and mustard on a hot dog. I'm fine. I am i don't like the, the yellow mustards. Again, it's a it's a thing for me with uh, wet bread. If there are things on my hot dog, I want to be the one to put them on, because I have a time limit before it soaks into the mess. Yes. Speaking of mess, Theodore is at the concert. Who's he there with? It's Cece. In a relationship that I'm sure will blossom and grow in the seasons to come. I mean, I think it's fine because I think Cece knows yeah. what she's there for. Yeah. Again, if you know what you're there for, like if you decide like that is the kind of relationship that you want of like, I kind of just want this transactional thing. I just want to go to Paris and I don't necessarily want to talk to you during it. And the other person is cool with that. Mm. They're getting to enjoy your titties from afar. That is... Cool. Yeah. Do it. Absolutely agree with you. My thing is that how Theodore will not appear on an episode after this one and CC's going to go back to being single as of the next episode. Yeah. But uh, that's kind of how that story ends. We get the end credits uh, behind which uh, we have Fran taking Gracie to her slumber party. Yeah, and she's taught her a little thing of like a, some ne- negative reinforcement therapy of whenever she uh, thinks about the bear 
uh, she should snap a rubber band, which is self-harm. Fran, you are teaching a small child who already has to go to therapy and has a lot of anxiety things. Self-harm. Yeah. Ah. It backfires, though, because Fran spent all this time convincing Gracie that she doesn't need the bear, that she can move on from the bear, and then they open the door, and all the other little girls have their fucking bears. Fran... Hey, maybe let the kid have a fucking bear. Yeah. Let her have Fred. Uh, the bear, whatever the bear's name is. The teddy bear. I forget the name bear's name. Let the, let the kid have the bear. Let the kid have the bear. Hey, Fran, let the kid have the bear. And they leave to go get the bear. End of episode. Yeah, and it is, it is a good inversion of the thing because Fran does bring up like, oh, why don't you just bring the bear? And Gracie is the one who's like, no, they're going to make fun of me because I'm too old to have a bear. I'm codependent, she says. Yeah. She spends all this time trying to cope with the loss of the bear. I'm like, no, actually, bear is okay. This was a very welcoming environment for you to have a bear. This is and a safe space for bears. Yeah, and I I would hope and be like, oh, these seem like people that Gracie should know. And I'm sure we'll never see any of these children again. Yeah, this is such a welcoming, friendly environment for her. And it's such a shame that this fun... It's just a bit. It's a joke. Like, this is not going to have, like, long-standing positive impact on Gracie as a character because it's just a fun bit about bears. Yeah. It's just more of her anxiety. So what do you think of this episode? It was fine. It was okay. I mean, it's not... I don't think it's a great episode. It's certainly not the best episode of the season so far. I would say on the... If we're saying whether it's good or bad, if that's the binary, it's good. It's fine. It's, it's not offensive. There's that potentially biphobic joke that's also a jab at uh, polyamorous people. Yeah, it's one of those jokes where if it were written now kind of depending on how the specificity of it because again there is a there is a version of this joke that i would make yeah like as a bi person oh, yeah. i also will make this joke it's like oh i certainly i certainly know this couple i can picture them exactly so there's definitely that but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a joke written knowingly yeah like there's there's different there's a difference between a joke written within an in-group versus something written from the outside and i do want to address the fact that one of the executive producers in friend's husband at the time like did after the show uh come out as gay yeah and that was part of their whole divorce thing. It's like there is a there is a queer person involved in this show but he was very closeted at the time had like i don't I don't know his life. I don't know if he knew these things about himself yeah, yet. He's either closeted or he doesn't know yet. But whether he's aware, whether anyone there is aware of it or not, there's a queer person involved. Yeah, there is a queer, which I, I do feel a lot of the, like, I, I feel like Niles as a character would not exist the way yeah. that he does um, if there weren't a bit of queerness yeah. going on uh, that maybe they didn't know about yet. I, I would go out on him and Niles is a bicon. Yeah, I think that's a fair... I mean, I also think Fran is kind of a bicon as yeah. well. Certainly her wardrobe is very bicurious. I think, I think if anything, Fran would be a very, like... There's a certain queerness and almost like a, like a non-binary, like, playing with gender yeah. sort of things. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, it's a good episode. It's not a bad episode. It's not a great episode. This would be a, this is the episode you put on in the background while you're doing the dishes kind of episode. Yeah, I think I, I think I like this episode a little more than you do. Um, of them, like, this is something that if we're on TV, I would be happy to watch. Yeah. It wouldn't be necessarily an episode that I stop everything to watch, but I enjoyed it. I thought it had, like, good bits. A lot of them are kind of 
the the obvious thing that you would do in kind of is like sitcom comfort food i would almost say like there's uh the the plain bit in various like the little joke between uh fran and maxwell you know where this is but part of it is me as a as a shippy person where oh i like those cheesy fanfic tropes so when they're in there and it's like oh this is we you see it coming a mile away and it's like this is this tropey you already did this do something else i'm like oh but it's sweet though yeah this definitely feels like and i don't mean this in a disparaging way but it feels like particularly that scene at the end it feels very fan fictiony and again i don't mean that to disparage the episode but fan fiction particularly slash fiction tends to fall into certain tropey romantic things yeah and there's not a world of difference between fan fiction which focuses on a particular ship and a romance novel that is about a kind of a blossoming romance between two people mm-hmm. like, particularly if you're doing that thing where yeah. it's like you don't we're not doing it right now so yeah, yeah if it's if you if you've got your you know fifty thousand you know words slow burn happening which is my shit. That's that, your shit. My shit. Anyone you can, anyone want to do a dig? Um, find in my fanfic. Yeah. You'll find out. I like a slow burn. Yeah. And my my criticism of the episode. That's not. And then I wouldn't even argue that's a criticism. The thing I. The thing that makes this episode just kind of okay for me is mostly the the humor. This episode feels like it's kind of. It rehashes a couple of plot points of like Fran dating someone else and Maxwell being kind of put out a little bit by that, and then them kind of both. Uh, blindly realizing that what they want is each other without without actually coming to that actual conclusion. That's fine. It's good. but And it, this is probably the best we've seen of it in the show so far. But it is something we have already seen. Mm-hmm. And the humor isn't necessarily like more interesting to yeah. kind of like elevate that. I, do, I think on balance, this episode is probably better written and uh, more interesting than the previous time we did this, which I think was with the Brock Storm guy. Actually, now I think about it, because I remember the I remember the limo ride. I remember Maxwell waiting for them to get home. Yeah. I think that's probably the episode I'm well, thinking of. Because there's that one, but then there's separately the one yeah. where she is like into the funeral director, and then it breaks up because he wants to be a clown. And then I'm pretty sure that's the one where after she's like, where she's sitting, was like, oh, I just want a guy who will do this yeah. thing. It's so so. This episode is kind of an assortment of ideas that we've seen before i think executed better but also because it is still you know those two episodes that are still kind of fresh in our minds this feels this feels skippable it feels like this is a story beat we've hit yeah i feel like this episode will depend this episode feels like Kraft mac and cheese where Mm. it it is not anything that is going to win an award uh it is it is very there but if you have a nostalgic like need for some like craft mac and cheese like that is going to be like a cozy thing just kind of sit in your stomach absolutely i feel like this is the craft mac and cheese of episodes absolutely it's particularly like i mean the previous episode i, I feel like we liked a lot more because that did more interesting yeah things that was maybe like a homemade mac and cheese yeah this felt a little bit to me like if you've ever sat and watched bewitched today there are episodes in like season five, season six, where they just flat out remake episodes from the first two or three seasons. Yeah, because you're not supposed to be seeing those yeah. episodes. You're not. It's you're not supposed to be seeing them. They're they're doing. You know, the concept of a rerun was not a thing that was really being done at the time. And this feels kind of like it's not the same thing. It's just it's hitting similar story beats for me. So I think of the three, this is the more interesting of the episodes. But because it's now an idea that we've hit 
three times. Yeah. I think that's the thing that's weighing it down. I think of the three episodes, if I had to choose one of them to watch, it would probably be this one. Um, the thing that's holding me back from that now, and the thing that's kind of making me say, it's good, it's not great, it's fine, is the fact that, like I said, those two episodes are still very fresh in my mind. Yeah. It is an interesting thing where it doesn't really mention this a lot, like toward the end, but it is one of the episodes that also kind of goes into the class dynamic of it. Fran sees someone who she grew up with, who she knows is on her level, who has now married, like married above yeah. and is now in Maxwell or above because Maxwell is courting this person to try to get money. Someone in that like much more wealthy yeah. uh, uh, bracket. So it's kind of like hinting of that of like these kind of like class divides as well, which I know other episodes kind of go a bit more into like the episode where Maxwell's sister is there and like falls in love with her her chauffeur and they kind of like they do the thing at the end of like oh how could you imagine not seeing the person in front of you because uh they're so much richer than you are where this one is actually going into the kind of the opposite thing of like there is an assumption that if you are dating someone uh who is wealthy that you are doing it for money reasons there's no other reason to date a wealthy person that's why kathy hooks fan up with the guy in the first place yeah yeah fine fine enough episode yeah, I, th- I think this episode is fine. I, because I, uh, you, you don't like Kraft Mac and Cheese, and I really do like Kraft yeah. Mac and Cheese, and I feel like that f- describes our feelings on this yeah, episode. absolutely. So, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week, we're watching Curse of the Grandmas. Fran anxiously anticipates a big party on her first anniversary with the Sheffields. So we have officially hit a in universe. We've hit a year. Interesting. Yeah, like out of universe. Also, we're basically like nearly at a year. This is uh, this episode aired October nineteen ninety four. The pilot was November nineteen ninety three. Interesting. So we are hitting a year in this series. Does that mean the nanny was a mid season replacement? Uh, I don't. I would... Based on the edit, I mean, we'd, I'd have to look it up, I, and I can't be bothered to do that right now. But that's going to be a fun episode to watch. Yeah. All we'll right. S- we'll see that. That is an episode. The title does not match the description, so I'm going to be interested to see what happens what, there. Yeah, I'm, the, the description sometimes gets someone who's like, I, "I've skimmed through the episode. I'm pretty sure I know what it's about." Or it's like, again, it's like Star Trek Deep Space Nine on Netflix where someone watched the first two minutes. Yeah. Or things like, I mean, this this current episode material, Fran, be like, oh, that that hints at what the episode might be um i'm not sure what curse the grandmas is gonna be but look forward to it we'll find out next week in the meantime i want to thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of out on her fanny if you're enjoying the podcast do please let your friends and family know little independent podcasts like ours live and die by word of mouth and we would certainly appreciate yours explain podcasts to your oldest family member (laughs) so that they can listen to the nanny podcast Anyway, you can find me at Mandy Quesadilla on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find me, I'm at Ben Padden on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Where can people find the show? You can find the show at Out on Her Fanny on Instagram and Twitter and also Facebook. And you can also find our website at oofcast.com, O-O-H-F-cast.com. All right. I don't think we have anything else to plug, so we will leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy. And yes, we, we do, do know, know it, it means, means vagina. vagina.
Grand Geek Gathering.